Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, your flight to Bristol has been delayed once again. But for your entertainment purposes, please listen to the Baggage Claim Monday edition of the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. The white zone is for immediate unloading and loading of passengers only. No parking in the white zone. Thank you. That's right. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, April 3rd, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. It's an unusual baggage claim Monday, Taylor, because today we're going to have this podcast from two separate airports. So I speak with you now, I'm actually in Dallas on my way out. We had the Rangers and the Phillies on Sunday Night Baseball last night. We're going to be talking with Tim Kirchin coming up. And then later, as I'm making my connection, that going back to Montana, we're going to be talking with Sarah Langs from the Salt Lake Airport. I don't think we've this has ever happened before. I don't think we've ever no. done a split airport baggage claim Monday. So excite, always fun to uh, to do something new on the podcast, even if the listeners are generally not affected. But I'm glad you're game buster. Yeah, 100%. Taylor and Sarah back in Bristol as we speak. I'm sitting in, I think it's gate E15 here in Dallas. And we're going to be trying to work through this. And, and we're doing this, by the way, you know, a few days after my computer fried. And so, Taylor, you helped me out by going through the rundown. And just to uh, peek behind the curtain for listeners, you know, I'll get up every morning and I'll, I'll sort of arrange, uh, you know, the beginning of the show and, and where the sound's going to drop and stuff. But because I don't have a laptop, I asked Taylor to do that, and he sent me the notes this morning. I think I'm going to critique that, if that's okay for you, Taylor, as we go through. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you how I would have done it differently. All right, let's do it. Hop in the driver's seat, Buster. Sarah, if you want to chime in as we go as well, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right. The news and notes on a Monday morning, right off the bat, I never put contract signings right off the bat. Unless they're like, you know, the I mean, when I saw this one, Taylor, I was like, what are you doing, dude? I thought you'd put down at the bottom. Jake Cronenworth signed a seven year extension worth about 80 million dollars. What say you, Taylor? Uh, that's that's a lot of money for a mid-market team, Buster. Good for the Padres. A lot of money tied up on these guys when they're a little bit uh, older in their careers. But I, I like them being aggressive and going for it. The Mets Kodai Senga wore a ghost glove whatever that is. I didn't watch the game. He threw his ghost forkball and he pitched great in the Mets 5-1 win over the Marlins. And there's no sound there. No, we have that queued up for later. I guess, yeah, that's not as much a headline. That was just kind of a thing that happened. So, uh, you know, 0 for 2 here. Keep going. Madison <laughs> <laughs> Bumgarner over the weekend complained of arm fatigue. He's set for an evaluation uh, you do wonder, you know, how much longer Madison Bumgarner is going to be with the Diamondbacks. It's been a disastrous contract for them. So the first game highlight that we have, Trace Thompson hitting three home runs. Taylor was on Saturday. What was it? It wasn't on Sunday. Well, sometimes, Buster, I actually have a critique for you. I feel like we don't highlight some of the other things that happen on Friday and Saturday enough, and I think this was exciting enough. So let's listen to Trace Thompson. This is his second of three home runs here. This is a grand slam. All the left center field. It's deep. It's on its way. And Trace Thompson, his first swing of the season is a grand slam home run. And the Dodgers take a five to nothing lead just like that. That was Charlie Steiner and AM 570 LA Sports. Yeah, that was the first home mm, run tough, uh, tough. of three home runs in that game. Yeah, so Trace Thompson <laughs> stepping up. They need him to perform in, in the outfield. Help out with the defense now that Cody Bellinger's gone and 
right off the bat, he's doing that. There was an altercation between Anthony Rendon and a fan over the weekend. Uh, the fan, it seemed, based on what Rendon was saying, called him names. Rendon was saying something back to the fan. Major League Baseball is looking into that. Bad news for the Seattle Mariners. Robbie Ray went on the injured list uh, after he struggled in his first outing. He's got a flexor tendon issue, and he's going to be out indefinitely. Minor leaguers signed off on that new CBA that we talked about the other day. 99% approval uh, from the polling of the minor league players and finishing this five-year deal with Major League Baseball. Giants place catcher Joey Bart on the injured list with the back strain. And by the way, over the weekend, they also signed Gary Sanchez to a minor league contract. Don Zimmer became the first member of the Rays Hall of Fame, which is really cool. Don Zimmer meant a lot to that organization. He was in baseball for 66 years. Uh, you know, the late coach, the late manager, the late teammate of Jackie Robinson. Now, we're going to move forward to Sunday's action. Yankees, Giants, and Giancarlo Stanton hit an absolute monster home run in the bottom of the third. Stanton, high drive into left center field. There it goes! See ya! On their way to a 6-0 victory, Aaron Boone spoke about the 485-foot home run after the game. Geez, weird. I mean, that's 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 what I just, every time he comes in after one of those, I just tell him, yeah, you're weird. You're you're different. And uh I mean, he hits it, and 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 you know it's going over the batter's eye. It's like, where's this thing going to go? And, um, he, I mean, he's he's different. He's different. A good series that took place between the White Sox and the Astros. They split four games. The White Sox taking the last on Sunday with help from Juan Mancata. Swinging a fly ball deep to left field, gone! Mancata with another opposite way home run. His third extra base hit of the day. It's six to one. Glenn Casper on ESPN 1000. Okay, let's play the Senga highlight from Sunday. Payoff pitch. Swung on and missed strike three. Came back to get him with what looked like a little bit harder version of that fork ball that he's thrown. Are you going to call it a ghost fork ball, Taylor? Yeah, because I think it irritates you. So, yes, that will be what I refer to as going forward. <laughs> the Padres play the Rockies. Xander Bogart's got it done at the plate. Now Bogart has another run 90 feet away with only one out here in the third inning. Pitch coming. That's it really well out to deep left field. Xander has left the building for a second consecutive day into the second deck of the Western Metal Building. Two-run home run, Xander Bogarts, and a 3-0 Padre lead in the third. That from 97.3, the fan. The Angels and the Athletics and the number two and number one best player in the world went back-to-back. He swings at this one and blasts a ball to dead center field, and this ball is Trotta here. Hit it out the dead center. Angels have homered in back-to-back innings, and the lead grows. It's now 5 to nothing. Shohei at the plate. He swings, and he blasts a ball that's going to get out as well as Otani says, hey, I can hit him out too. And that is his first home run of the season. Back-to-back homers, 6 nothing Angels. 
the Tampa Bay Rays completely overwhelmed the Tigers over the weekend. And on Sunday, Jeffrey Springs had a hand in that. Oh, and another strikeout. The 0-2 pitch, swing, and he popped him up. Shallow right center field, routine for Jose Siri. Moving to his left, he's got it, and six no-hit innings today for Jeffrey Springs. We have the Rangers and the Phillies on Sunday night baseball. The score was one all. Bottom of the fifth inning, Marcus Simeon came to the play. He was so excited about playing on Sunday night baseball for the first time. The 0-1 hit on the ground through the right side, base hit. Around third, coming to the plate is Garber. The throw cut off. Throw to second, tag out at second is Simeon, but the run comes in to score. It's an RBI single for Marcus Simeon, and as we head to the sixth, the Rangers have taken a 2-1 lead. And the Rangers shut out the Phillies from then on. They win 2-1, and they sweep a series from the Phillies. Uh, Tremendous first impression for me of the Texas players. We're going to be talking about that in a moment. So, Taylor, I give you an A on this rundown. Thank you. Wow, that's that's actually generous. I think I would take like a B minus on it. There are a couple things I could have cleaned up, things I should have known better on, but I appreciate you being kind to me. Um, yeah, Sarah, what about you? What's the grade? I'll give him an A for sure. There wow. you go. Sarah, you should have given me a lower grade because since we're handing out criticism, Sarah popped on the College Game Day podcast wearing a Yankees cap last night. Lifelong <laughs> Phillies fan as of last fall and uh, goes to a Yankees game, wears a Yankees cap around. To, I guess it's your AL team, Sarah. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. So it was my grandpa's <laughs> old hat. <laughs> so I felt like I needed to wear it for him at the Yankees uh, game. Wow. So there is like a sentimental, a sentimental moment there. Yeah. But yes, I will take any and all criticism. Yeah. And so you immediately pull a thing no one can argue with. Right. right? I'm you the dirtbag Exactly. Right. And then you just exactly. end the conversation. All right, Taylor, what else you got? <laughs> Uh, the College Game Day podcast, as I mentioned, Sarah and I were uh, were grinding on that last night. Uh, Pete Thamel, Reese Davis, they recapped the Final Four, spun it ahead to tonight's national championship game between San Diego State and UConn. Go Huskies. And uh, me and Sarah tonight, we're going to watch the game together, actually. We're going to share a, a plate of nachos at my house, and then we are going to record the podcast probably about 1230 at night tonight. So uh, we're, we're working at it from all angles. The College Game Day podcast. Please listen and uh, reward our, our hard work over here. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. 
They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkson covers baseball for ESPN. And Tim, I, I hope you noted the, uh, the insult I threw at you last night during my very brief segment on Baseball Tonight. Yeah, I think you said I was the bench coach for Walter Alston. Is that yeah, that would be it. Yeah. That was so. really funny, Buster, making fun of my age and my gray hair. Really, really funny. By the way, Eduardo told me that if he, Eduardo Perez once told me if he ever got a managerial job, I would be his bench coach. And he said, Tim, you'd be great at it. You you could tell the players a bunch of funny stories in between innings. So <laughs> is, is that is that what a bench coach does? I didn't realize that's what Don Zimmer was doing all those years with Joe Torrey. So yeah, I'm, so there's no bench coach for Walter Alston. That was really funny. Yeah. So uh, to to uh, answer your question, I'm not going to get into specific names, but you and I know the answer to the question you just raised. Is that what bench coaches do? They just tell funny stories in some cases. Absolutely, that's been true, right? Right, right. And I'm a big believer, as hard as this game is to play, some of the best ways to get through it is to have a chuckle once in a while, even in the middle of a game, to try to loosen people up. I'm a big believer in that. I also gave you a compliment in a sort of roundabout way last night during my segment when I quoted you as saying that uh, you know you could be around a team for a couple of days and kind of fall in love with them. And I got to say, Tim, being around the Rangers for a couple days, I walked away going, that team, I don't, I'm not ready to pick them to, to make the playoffs. That team is really good. <laughs> yeah, like that- I, I saw them this spring buster and I walked away thinking the same thing. And I, I don't know, I, I, I fall victim to this all the time. The enthusiasm of spring training, I get caught up in it, but you know Bochy even better than I do, and there's there's simply no way that Bruce Bochy is coming back for this job, and then he's going to fail. There is no chance that Bochy is going to walk in that room with uh, with everything going on there, with the way Chris Young has handled everything so beautifully, putting that team together. And I'm with you; I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they, you know they're going to finish over 500. I believe that already. And with the the offense they've shown so far and the upgraded pitching that they have and the the idea of where things are going, um, that's a really fun team to be around. And we've seen so far they can score runs. And last night they pitched pretty well, too. So I, you're, you're right. I've known them forever, but they're definitely I over the weekend. I learned that uh, my perception of how Boach's you know, managerial uh, career stopped and and now has restarted was way off because I got the feeling near the end of his time with the Giants that what was really going on there was the Giants, you know, incoming front office basically wasn't interested in having him. They wanted someone who was more analytics, uh, you know, steeped in analytics and that they were all being polite as Boach was essentially pushed out the door. And I talked to him about that this weekend and he said, no, no, no. Like I was done. Like, I thought I was done when I left the Giants. He said, you know, I went home because I was totally beaten up. Uh, He said, I had surgery on my back. 
I had a hip replacement. I had a knee replacement. And he said, then as I started to feel better, then I'm like, you know what? I started getting the hunger back. And he told us a story, Tim, before the game last night about how Ray Davis came to his home and asked him, the owner of the Rangers, uh, and, and asked him, why would you want to get back into this? And his response was, I want another shot at a championship. And Davis's response was, you already got three pelts on the wall. Why do you need another one? Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, the three championships that he had with the um, with the Giants. But, boy, you could feel the energy from him over the course of the weekend. Uh, I was next to their dugout for some of that game last night. You could feel the intensity that he had. His moves last night were absolutely spot on in terms of relief choices, to bring in the lefties, to keep Christian Pache, who really struggles as a hitter. He wound up stranding a lot of bases. If he had switched to a right-handed reliever, they would have brought in a left-handed hitter like Brandon Marsh. Uh, he made a defensive change late in the game, which turned out to be difference-making because they had Garcia in right field. He made it, makes a great catch. Um, Robbie Grossman told me over the weekend that you know he just loves uh, – he, he, he loved being around Bochi, and he talked about how he roots for players. You can hear him from the dugout rooting for you what, during your plate appearance. And the first guy I thought of, Tim, was Bobby Cox. You know, you'd watch those games on TBS and it was like, hey, Chip, hey, Chipper, come on, Chipper. Hey, Smoltzy. Um, so he's had an impact right away on those Texas players. Yeah, there's no doubt. A couple of their guys told me as soon as Boach walked in the room, they look around and say, oh, my gosh, he's got three championships. Um, he's going to he's going to take us in the right direction. And he has. As for handling the bullpen, Buster, we know from those three championships in San Francisco, nobody but nobody handles a bullpen better than Bruce Bochy, but mostly it's corny, but he's just got such a good feel for people, which is three quarters of what this job is about. And even though he's so understated and moves so slowly and so self-deprecating, he called himself Herman Munster with the way they put his body back together. Frankenstein, he's a little combo of Frankenstein and Herman Munster and looks and everything else, but also in demeanor. And his demeanor is so understated that I think the minute he walked in, um, things really changed there. And it'll be real interesting to see if the Rangers in now what I believe to be a pretty darn competitive division because the Angels are better. I don't care what anyone says. Angels, Rangers, much better. And those two teams, Seattle and Houston, good. Uh, that's a pretty darn good division now. So and I also got a chance over the weekend to speak with Marcus Simeon. Uh, who, by the way, was very excited. He said, you know, I've never played on Sunday Night Baseball. I always watch Sunday Night Baseball, and now I finally get a chance to play on Sunday Night Baseball. But he's one of the leaders on that team, you know, from talking with the coaches, Robbie Grossman, because of the nature of his plate appearances, grinded out. And he's someone who's a leader on that team. Corey Seager, Josh Young, who I'm sure you've spoken with, a young third baseman. And then it occurred to me, Tim, my God, they have so many of these even-keeled, serious professionals. Jacob deGrom now fits in with that. Nathan Avaldi fits in with that. It, it is remarkable that they're, you know, that, that they do all seem to have this great uh, focused, uh, a great group of guys who, who, you know, day to day, very focused, very little up and down on that group of players. Right. And you mentioned Simeon, you know, Bob Melvin once told me not long ago that Marcus Simeon's most improved player he's ever 
managed. Like at the beginning, they looked at him and said, well, we're not sure who this guy is, but he's got a long way to go. And before you know it, he's hitting 30 homers and playing a gold glove shortstop. As you know, Buster, he's got really small hands. And Ron Washington really worked with him on a shortstop back then who had really small hands and taught him, okay, your hands aren't big enough to do this or that. And Marcus Simeon figured it out. He figures everything out eventually. The way he has switched positions and become a way above average defensive second baseman after being a shortstop, not an easy transition. That kind of sums up who that guy is. Whatever the challenge is, he meets it. And Corey Seager has been an underrated player all these years. So you add those two guys to the middle, and now you add these veteran guys to the rotation. Again, they pick the right people. Chris Young, the GM, he knows exactly what he's doing, Buster. A really, really smart guy who also pitched for a long time in the big leagues and has a good understanding of both the analytics and the human element. All right. So injuries, uh, you know, once the game start, we, we get a rash of injuries. I thought the most impactful one potentially over the weekend was Robbie Ray going down. You know, we've talked about the Rangers playing in the American League West, a very competitive division. And now we don't know how long Robbie Ray is going to be out for, you know, a couple of years ago, one of the most expensive free agents in baseball. Yeah, well, flexor tendon is never a good uh, phrase for any sort of pitcher. Remember, he did not pitch particularly well last year, got hit hard in the postseason, got hit hard in his first start. Usually there's a reason why. So let's hope he's not hurt particularly uh, badly, but at least that explains how he just hasn't had the same life on his ball that he did, say, the year before when he was a Cy Young winner and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's now fortunately for the Mariners, they still have a ton of pitching. You know, Logan Gilbert and the rest of that group is – is awfully good, but they're going to miss him. And let's hope for his sake, this isn't serious. So we got news over the weekend that Jake Cronenworth has signed a deal through that could run through 2031. Um, yet another Padre signed to a long-term deal. And I got to tell you, Tim, when I saw this, it, it, it was sort of like that feeling you have when you have too much ice cream. Like at some point, I kind of wonder if the Padres, uh, I, are, they are wildly extended in a lot of these contracts. And I'm not saying that the, the team can't afford it, but boy, they got a lot of money committed many years out to players who are going to be their mid to late 30s, Tim. Yeah, they have three players signed into their 40s already. Cronenworth not being one of them, but he's going to be late 30s also. But they're thinking we got to lock our guys up. I certainly understand what they're doing, and I really understand what they're doing with Cronenworth. That kid can hit, and the fact that he can play two positions – this really shows his versatility. He can play second base or first base, and they're going to be shuttling him back and forth. And as you know, Buster, he does not miss a fastball on the inside part of the plate. He loves that ball in. I took a flight with him accidentally. We, we both ended up sitting like right next to each other. And uh, we talked about the Padres a lot. I told him a lot of Tony Gwynn stories on this flight, and he was fascinated by that because he plays for the Padres. He's too young to know Tony Gwynn. And for a, a young player to be asking me baseball questions about guys like Tony Gwynn just showed just how curious he was about the game and what it would take for him to get better. I love that kid, but you're right. They've spent an awful lot of money moving forward. Yeah. Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager has talked to, uh, in, uh, in times when I've been at Rome with him, talked about how much he loves Cronenworth and how serious a player he is. So he's a big baseball fan, huh? 
Yeah, again, anytime you meet a young player who enjoys the history of the game, it's amazing. I know it's off shoot here, but Colin McHugh came up to me once, older player, mid-30s, and said, I saw what you wrote about Frank Robinson. I, I really need to learn more about Frank Robinson. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. A, a current player wants to talk about somebody who was a star, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. It's just, it's it's beautiful to me that someone would be that interested in, in the past. And that's who Jake Cronenworth was. He wanted to know more about why Tony Gwynn was so great. Yeah, that was uh, the experience that Carl Ravitson I had with Robbie Grossman. I walked right. away from that saying, this guy is a huge baseball fan, right. which is always fun when you meet right. someone like that. Um, so Kodai Senga had a great outing for the Mets, his first start in Major League Baseball. Uh, tell me what you're seeing in him and whether, you know, this, I, I never, I always kind of wonder is, you know, when the, you hear these nicknames for these various pitches, you know, his ghost splitter or whatever it's called. I'm like, you mean it's just a split finger fastball, right? It just means that, it has might have a little different movement. What do you make of him? Yeah, well, remember Daisuke Matsuzaka had the gyro ball or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no pitch has ever been invented that no one's ever seen before. Okay. It's just a it's just a variation. It's just a hybrid of something else. And that's a split. It's a fork ball, whatever you want to call it. There's no ghost to it. But if you can put it in somebody's head that somebody's throwing a pitch and, oh, my gosh, I've never seen that before, not buying that. Rick Dempsey told me, former catcher years ago, he says, no pitch has ever been thrown that I can't catch, that I've never seen before. Every catcher has seen that action at some point or another. But to answer your question, Senga's really got a good split or whatever we're calling it. And you could see it yesterday, late downward movement unhittable when he threw it for a strike i saw his first batting i mean his first bullpen of the spring and he had trouble with the steepness of the mound the mound in the united states is steeper than the one in japan and he had to make an adjustment to that which he did very quickly and he said the baseball even though it's a slightly different size in the united states than it is in japan he had no trouble adjusting to that and he's got a really good sense of humor says he loves to hit loves to eat american food that type of thing i think he's got a pretty good understanding of where he is and what he's doing and i think the mets found themselves a a a quality starting pitcher for this season. So there are three undefeated teams right now in baseball. One of them are the Rangers who swept the Phillies over the weekend. The Tampa Bay Rays are three and zero. What do we make of them? Well, as always, Buster, never ever underestimate the Rays. I do it every year, and I'm all always ready to say, "All right, I'm not going to pick them. They're not going to make the playoffs. How can they score enough runs with that lineup?" And then they always do because. Their pitching is really good. Jeffrey Springs last night was ridiculously good. Six innings, 12 strikeouts. He's got an elite changeup. And from nowhere, they find these guys and they make them better when they get to Tampa Bay. The, the Rays play the game better than, than really anybody else. Their 26th, 25th man is better than the 25th man on another on any other team. Their 18th guy is better than the 18th guy on any other team because they all play and they're all ready to go no matter what the job is. And they have a great manager too. So I'm going to see the Rays tonight against the Nationals because I've got a radio game uh, in about a month with them. Uh, I love what the Rays have done so far and I'm not surprised. 
the Minnesota Twins are three and zero, and the guy who's jumped out of me so far is Joey Gallo. Uh, you know, he's someone. It, it, you know, the the moment uh, I, I actually, I'll just tell you a sequence of events that happened. He was in the home run derby in the summer that they were talking about him possibly being traded. And we're getting ready for the home run derby on the field before the game. And I asked Tony Beasley, their longtime coach, you know, served as an interim manager for a time. How do you think he's going to do? And Tony, who has such a great read on players, gave me this little smile. And he goes, well, he thinks a lot. And right there, that told me, like, this is maybe someone who is not going to be well suited for New York. And sure enough, he goes there. It was an unhappy time. Now he's out of New York. He's with the Minnesota Twins, and he did some damage over the weekend, Tim. Yeah, two home runs yesterday, and I, I was told by one of the Yankees last year, and he felt sorry for Joey Gallo. Yes. He said, Joey doesn't even want to come out of his house in New York. He doesn't even want to walk down the streets because he's so embarrassed with the way he's playing, and he thinks everybody hates him in New York, and that is simply no way to try to play the hardest game in the world. Talk about thinking too much. It's meaning he cares so much, and when he's not playing well, it really affects him. So getting away from New York was the best thing that could happen to him. I'm not saying he's going to hit 40 homers like he did in Texas, but he's really going to help um, the twins. And it's not just because he hits ball at the ballpark. As we know, he's a way above average runner and he's a, he's a very good defensive player at multiple positions. So he's going to help them. He had a really great day, especially yesterday. What do you think about the twins and their chances in the central? Well, I love the pitching for the, the guardians. So I'm going to stay with the guardians. Talk about a team that plays the game the right way and differently than everyone else. Just watch Stephen Kwan play the game. That's that's how, and, and Jose Ramirez, that's how the whole team plays the game. And because it's so different than the way everyone else plays, I mean, I still like the Guardians the most. The White Sox are going to be better than they were last year, and so are the Twins. So I'll stay with the Guardians, but that's a three-team race in the Central. The Twins are better. They're Granted, they played the Royals who didn't swing it well this weekend, but their pitching looked awfully good this weekend. I did not see a new set of statistics uh, following Sunday's games about, you know, the average time of game after four days. But after three days, the average time of game was down 27 minutes from 2022 to 2023 in terms of the the first three days of the season. Uh, that include 34 games in 2022, 35 games in 2023. The, you know, the stolen bases are up by more than 100%, Tim, and more than double stolen bases that uh, from 2022 to 2023. It, it feels like everything is going as they designed it to go. Yeah, I had a general manager in the American League you know, look at me this spring and he goes, you know, I don't say this very often, but... Major League Baseball got this one right. And so far, it has. I mean, look at your game last night. Two hours and 24 minutes. I saw some guy complaining on Twitter. The games are too short. It's it's 9.30 and the game's over. I was driving home last night, Buster, and I had to do a, make a bunch of phone calls. I had a really busy drive. When I turned the game back on, it was over. And I'm thinking, these games are too <laughs> short now. Point is, the games have been better and crisper. We don't need them shorter, Buster. We need them better. And the way you create a better game generally is to play it faster with more action, less dead time, and that's what we've seen so far. 
You know, you know Mark Canna pretty well. Mark Canna is a smart guy, very, very analytical, very curious player. You ask him a question, you better be prepared for an answer because he's thought a lot of things through. He looked at me this spring and he said, you know, someday we're going to look back and say, you know when the game changed? And the game changed right now is what he said. Spring training 2023. We're going to look back someday and say, that's when the game changed with all of these new rule changes. And so far, so far, and it's very early, so far the rule changes have all worked. Balls in play a little bit more. Guys on the move a little more. The, the speed, athleticism that we've been dying to see, we're seeing more of it, which is kind of the idea. So I know you didn't get a chance to watch our broadcast. Trey Turner uh, wore the microphone. He was a lot of fun. And uh, we saw Bryce Harper in the dugout before the game. And, and I thought, you know, we ought to get him to uh, to put on a headset. And he did in the sixth inning. Uh, and he made a reference. And, and by the way, nobody's better in terms of cooperating with broadcasters than Bryce is in terms of wearing a microphone, putting on a headset, talking about his situation. You know, we heard yesterday from the Phillies, he's going to start taking batting practice soon. But as Bryce talked to uh, with the booth, he made a reference when he was asked about the pitch clock to, uh, you know, players were going to take back the game. And we interpreted it as him expressing, you know, discomfort slash unhappiness with the way that the new pitch clock is. And I thought about it after he said it, Tim, that, you know what, this is someone when you think about the, the rhythm of Bryce's plate appearances, he does have those moments where he steps out, collects his thoughts, gets back in the box. And, yeah, he might be a guy for whom the adjustment is a little bit bigger. There are guys like that. Pete Alonso's like that. Some other players. But, you know, if, if they were to ask me what I think, I'd say you better get used to it. Yeah, Buster, they have no choice. You, you mentioned Alonso loves to just walk around, and sometimes he can think his way out of an at-bat. One of the Mets told me he's going to hit 70 homers this year because he's not going to have time to think his way out every pitch. Kyle Tucker's the same way. Bryce Harper's the same way. They love to take their time around uh, around pitches. Well, you can't do that anymore. And like anyone else, when there's a penalty involved, they will make the adjustment because, again, they have no choice. And I, that this has been the most impressive part to me is how these ultimate creatures of habit have found a way to change the way they do things. And so far, granted, through four full days, it, it has really worked well. Tim, uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, I'll be looking for you on a bench someplace telling stories. Yeah, well, Walter Alston will be to my left. Th thanks so much for that, Buster. So warm <laughs> with you. Here's Marcus Simeon after our Sunday night baseball broadcast talking with John Anderson on SportsCenter. Marcus, let's go through tonight's game. You score a bunch of runs in the first two uh, games, 11 and 16. Now you win one, 2-1. Uh, what do I like about my ball club? What does it say about my ball club that we can play that many ways? Yeah, it's going to be big for us. You know, we have a lot of new pitchers, a lot of veteran leadership, really. So, you know, it's good to win these close ones. You know, we obviously put up 27 runs the first two games and then totally different ball game tonight. So uh, we'll take it both ways. What's it like to just get out of spring training? Because uh, it's always nice, it's leisurely, and actually get the season started. It's the best. I mean, you look at the crowds we've had the last three days. Um, you know, the stadium's unbelievable. When you put 40,000 in it, it makes it that much better. So uh, we just want to win for these fans, and we were able to do that this week. 
So I don't know if I, they told you, this game, two hours, 24 minutes, which means you've got to stay here and talk to me for 36 minutes until <laughs> we get to the top of the hour. No, talk to me about pace of play, the rules, how, how you've adjusted to that here into the new year. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's still adjusting. It's going to take time. You know, we've seen a couple automatic balls, automatic strikes. Um, you know, stuff's going to happen that we've never seen before. But everyone seems to like the pace of play, um, and we'll, we'll continue to get used to it. Got a brand new manager who's an old school, old manager. What's it like to play for Bruce Bochy? Well, I grew up, you know, in the San Francisco Bay Area, watching him win World Series, and um, you know, now to be a part of his ball club and see how he did it, you know, his style. It, it's been awesome. You know, I think everybody wants to play hard for him, and we know he's done it with you know all kinds of different rosters. So I think that I like the roster we have, and we're playing as hard as we can for him. All right, we had the women's Final Four in Texas uh, finish up today. The men tomorrow. Is there a team uh, bracket Final Four pool? Oh, of course. I mean, nobody has these teams. You know, I think that um, everybody was Alabama or Houston. So we had to start over in the Sweet 16 and, and go and pick from those teams. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have San Diego State, but I don't know how they're going to do against UConn. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash buster just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash buster terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed you can now stream the most mlb games on direct tv without a satellite dish yes the clutch hits the strikeouts grand salamis web gems with nothing on your roof so whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing on this Monday? I'm doing great. We have day games coming up. We just had a full weekend of baseball. It's been awesome, so I'm doing great. Yeah, so I'm in the Salt Lake Airport now. I was before when I t- interviewed Tim, I was in the Dallas airport, and I've got a <laughs> delay here. 
So I think oh, I'll yeah. probably turn on some of those afternoon games, uh, you know, as I wait to, uh, to go back to, back to Montana. All right, so Taylor sent a question, or the, sent a Bleacher tweet over this morning, and I actually answered it in the first taping of the Bleacher tweets, and they were like, you know what? This question is much more appropriate for the biggest Juan Soto fan in the world, and that would be Sarah Lang. So Taylor, why don't you jump in and read the question? Andrew DeSalvo writes in at DeSalvotion. I know you love calling out early season overreactions, but at what point will it no longer be considered just a small sample size for Juan Soto's decline in batting performance since 2021? Sarah, the what say decline? you? Oh my gosh. I mean, we already <laughs> talked about how last year the underlying stats certainly showed that he was better than the uh, results showed last year. Still not Soto level that we're used to, but certainly far better. And uh, he's played, what, three games, four games now? I am not worried about anything in 2023. He's going to have a great year. And, I mean, decline is not a word that should be anywhere near what he has done so far. So, Taylor, I I need you to back me up on this. We're going to have to check with Elias. I just got the results back. That is the first time officially that i've ever heard sarah get annoyed maybe even a little bit mad <laughs> did taylor you're gonna back me up on that i think so i think so sarah i i would love we need to do like an extended pot a segment with sarah like things that are just your, your pet peeves and your life pet peeves maybe some baseball ones i don't think there's many except for uh, andrew DeSalvo apparently today yeah oh my goodness yeah that was about as annoyed as i've ever heard you sarah all right let's play the numbers game number three Number three is three. So Anthony Volpe, speaking of people who are off to good starts so far this season, uh, hitting-wise, maybe, you know, he hasn't crossed that first home run yet, but that will come. But on the base pass, he has been lights out. He has three stolen bases, won each of his first three career games. He is just the fifth guy since at least 1901 to have a stolen base in each of his first three career games. He joins Billy Hamilton, of course, in 2013, Pat Howell in 1992, Ray Langford in 1990, and then one other Yankee, Fritz Mazel, in 1913. And then looking ahead, the only guy to extend that to four games was Billy Hamilton in 2013. Number two. Number two is four. So uh, as we've discussed many times, I watch every game, but I'm not always super aware of every little thing that happens because especially on a Sunday, which are the most frenetic and exciting games and days of games, there's a lot going on, so I'm keeping track of everything. But this is where people like Mandy Bell come through. So she slacks me the other yesterday uh, afternoon. She says, hey, this guy, Tim Heron, just made his MLB debut. He faced four guys, and he struck them all out. Is there anything notable there? I look into it, and it turns out he is the first pitcher since the mound was moved in 1893 to face at least four batters in his MLB debut and strike them all out. I mean, just incredible. (laughs) Number one. Number one is 27. So 
The Rangers scored two runs last night and had a one-run win over the Phillies on Sunday. Baseball, they had the fewest one-run wins in baseball last year. It's a really good sign to already send them notch one for 2023. But before that, they scored 27 runs in their first two games under Bruce Bochy. So that was tied with the 1978 Brewers under George Bamberger for the second most runs by a team in its first two games with a particular manager since 1900. The only team to get off to a better start run scoring-wise with a new manager was the 1951 White Sox under Paul Richards. They scored 30 runs, and we know that one of the attributes of those Giants teams that won World Series under Bruce Bochy was pitching. They were not necessarily big-time uh, run-scoring teams. So, I mean, my feeling, even on opening day when they scored 11, was what a new world for him. All right, so I'm going to give you a little trivia question to start with. George Bamberger was replaced by Harvey Keen uh, as manager of the Brewers. The Brewers made it to the World Series in 1982. Do you know the nickname for that team, for that lineup, for that offense? I don't. I know two and two to Harvey Keen. I know that, of course, but I do not know the nickname. What was it? They were Harvey's Wallbangers. That they uh, that that was a nickname for that team. The second thing is, I was talking to Tim about the Rangers uh, when I had my segment with him, and I mentioned to him that over the two days being around that team, I fell in love with them. In part because I just, you know, as I was going around and I'm thinking about all these great even keeled guys, like these great professionals. Mark, start you start with Marcus Simeon, who when we met with Bruce Bochy, he said he reminded him a lot of Buster Posey and how he's very understated, does his job. Corey Seager's that way. Josh Young is that way. Uh, when Carl Ravitch and I, Sarah, this was kind of fun. When I was talking, you know, Carl Ravitch and I are talking to him. And as you know, Josh is a young player. He's like 24 years old. And it was clear he was about to go head to the cage. And then he gets interrupted by these two, uh, you know, ba- Sunday night baseball people. And he's talking with us and he's being super polite and he's nice. He's telling us about being a high school quarterback and about how he wasn't, uh, you know, only offered one scholarship. If he had had a watch on his wrist, he would have been checking it. And I just kind of love that, that he just he wanted to get to work. Right. So tell me if you share my feeling that, you know what, at the end of the year, the Rangers, who won 68 games last year, might have one of the greatest improvements of any team in baseball. Definitely. I mean, it just feels like watching those three games and the special storytelling that you guys did on Sunday Baseball last night feels like such a different team. And I agree. A lot of really professional players, guys who are veterans. I mean, there's something to be said for signing Marcus Semien and Corey Seager to those big deals. They've already been in the league for a while, and now they've been on the team for a year. So they have kind of found their place there. And it just feels, it's amazing. It feels like such a different team top to bottom, even though offensively it's basically the same team and the difference really is in the pitching. But just watching them, they look different. And I'm really excited to see what they do this year. Jacob deGrom, even keel guy. Nathan Avaldi, even keeled guy. Just goes out and plays. I 
I'm looking forward to watching him play uh, the rest of this week and the rest of this year. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. I mentioned in my conversation with Tim that Bryce Harper put on a headset for us in the top of the sixth inning. And at the beginning of this conversation he had with Carl Ravitch in the booth, he gave us an update on where he is physically. You know what? Sounds like he's going to be back sooner rather than later. Really a surprise for us to have Bryce Harper joining us from the Philadelphia Phillies. Doug, great to see you at the baseball field again, Bryce. We, we were unaware <laughs> of when that was going to happen on the fly out to first. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, just happy to be here and be around the guys and, um, you know, just trying to get my rehab going as best as possible and just try to be here as much as possible as well. So it seems to be going, you would know a lot better than we, but it seems to be going well. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're just trying to take it each, you know, each day and take it step by step pretty much, just trying to um, make sure I hit every every step that we kind of, or every checkpoint we kind of mark off and or mark on and mark off and um, just excited to kind of be grateful for the progress of, you know, what I'm doing right now and just get through okay. it each day. So what are you able to do? Uh, I mean, you know, I'm doing my whole routine in the cage and things like that. I mean, I just started doing that about a week and a half ago. Um, so I'm doing overhand pitching, things like that. Um, but, you know, we still got a still got a minute to go. You know, I think just trying to be smart about it, understanding, you know, my good days are going to be good. And then, you know, some days are just going to come in and I'm going to be sore and it'll be a little tougher. So um, but hopefully more good days than, you know, bad. And I feel good right now. So I just got to keep that going and keep doing the same stuff. When you say routine now with the pitch clock, will that have to change a little bit with you in the box? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have to progress to, you know, what I need to do and I think that'll be part of the steps that of that process, right? So, um, you know, I know a lot of players that won our game back, right? Um, but as of right now, uh, you know, it is what it is. Josh Harrison up and Bryce Harper joining us. The next one, and that one Howdy, is baby. into left field. And that is going to be a hit off the bat of Josh Harrison. So he is aboard with one down. Last time we saw you, Bryce, you were uh, doing this in the postseason. You had Reese Hoskins, the entire city of Philadelphia, up. Of course, you bring your hand across your chest right there. We see it. I assume the greatest home run you've ever hit in your life. How much did you reflect on 2022 as you went into this offseason knowing you were going to have surgery? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was the that was the point, right? I kind of played through all last year, and I blew my elbow in April, and you know, very lucky to have you know the designated hitter and be able to not miss too much time. Uh, I think I hit in the hand by Snell, and you know, missed about two months with that, but came back, and I mean, what a, what a ride we were able to go on. Um, you know, we're kind of trying to put that on the on the back burner of where that was, and just try to look ahead and. It's a different team that we got, different group that we got. So we're looking forward to, you know, kind of what our season's going to look like this year and, and keep plugging. One of the differences is Trey Turner. Did you play any role in the recruitment of Trey Turner? Uh, I mean, I talked to Trey at the beginning of the offseason and uh, kind of told him, you know, free agency is pretty tough to, to go through. And um, I know it's tough for, for a lot of guys to go through it. And he, if he needed anything, um, I was there for him. But I didn't want to, and that was pretty much all I told him. I didn't talk to him for a couple months and just let him go and, you know, go for his ride and, you know, 
he was going to make the decision, the best decision for him and his wife and his family. And I was, you know, very fortunate he made the decision to come to Philly. Swing and a miss. Did, you know, I'm, I'm going back to something you said. You said, did you say we want to get the game back? What, what was that? What were you referring to? I'm sorry if I misheard you, but you said we want to, the players want to get the game back. Is, is that what you had said? I don't know. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're beautiful. Will you travel with the team, Bryce, the, for, for the remainder here? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm going to travel as much as possible when, you know, when my treatment and therapy when I can. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to be here as much as possible. I want to be around the guys. I want to be on the group. You know, like I said, we got a couple new guys on this team, so I want to be around them and get to know them and, you know, understand them and things like that. So um, anytime I can be around the be around the players and be around the team, that's, that's all that matters. You haven't played the field in what feels like forever. I imagine it feels like forever for you. Not a baby. Yeah, Stott in the left field. And putting the brakes on at second base, it's going to be Harrison. You haven't played in the field forever. Does it feel that way to you, too? <laughs> yeah, I miss it out there. Sure. Um, it's always fun to get out there and be in part of, you know, be in front of the fans and even on the opposing side, right? Like being able to be in front of a fan base that doesn't like you too much. It's always fun to, you know, get out there and interact with them and, um, you know, wherever that wherever that's at, you know, it's, it's always fun to be able to do that. So I miss it out there. No, Bryce, you broke in when you were 19 years old. You're already a 10-year vet. That's a huge deal, 10-year vet. <laughs> you talked about, you're only 30 years old, which is remarkable. The next 10 years, what do you think? Two more MVPs, maybe a couple championships? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just want to win. I mean, if, if everything else goes crazy, I just want to win. You know, that's, I think that's why every person in this dugout and every person that plays this game, we all just want to win. Um, you know, we want to be able to bring back a championship to the city of Philadelphia and be able to do that for a long time and hopefully, you know, do that multiple times. I mean, that's why Mr. Middleton and his family put so much effort into this team and they do that on and off the field. And I have so much respect for the Middleton family and Dave Dombrowski and what they do for us each and every day. They make sure we have all the best of the best. If that's in the clubhouse, if that's, that's away from the field, taking care of our families. There's no organization that does it better than this organization with that. And, I mean, I just, I think we owe that to them. We owe it to our fan base, uh, to the city of Philadelphia. And I mean, there's no greater place to play with the fan base that we do have. You guys saw what happened in the postseason last year. I mean, what an incredible atmosphere we, owe that we were able to have. And, you know, we don't have that without our fan base. We don't have that without Middleton putting the money that he does into our team and putting the faith into this organization and having Dave Dombrowski run this you know, from top to bottom. I mean, it's just, it's an incredible team that we have, an incredible staff that we have. And, you know, I look forward to those next 10 years, but taking it one day at a time. Yeah, you know, we talked to Trey yesterday. One of the things he really emphasized was, he said, you know, if you ask players, if you're a front office, you ask players, we really do like to stay in one place if we can. You certainly made that commitment. He made that commitment. What do you see in this team? I know you just touched on what Dave has done, but clubhouse culture, the competition in the National League East that excites you the most? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I could put the National League up with, or National League East with any division in baseball. I mean, look at the pitching. I mean, everybody talks about the Marlins and, yeah. oh, they're not that good and this, that, and the other, but you look at Lizardo, you look at Rogers, you look at Sandy Alcantara. I mean, this whole division, Cabrera as well there. You look at Scherzer, Sanga, I mean, Verlander. You can go on and on about this division and the pitching in this division. So it's always tough, but, you know, we look forward to that. We look forward to competing in the NL, you know, in the East for a long time and being good for a long time. And, you know, I know that every single individual in this dugout is, you know, ready for that, whatever that looks like. And, 
anybody that comes into this clubhouse is, is part of that family and part of that group. And, you know, I know that, you know, we lost out on having Reese Hoskins all year, and that's tough yeah. for us. And, you know, I, I love Reese. We all do. He's, he's our leader. He's our captain. He's been here for a long time. Um, but, you know, we're going to go out there and play our best game and try to do that. What a play is right. Nathaniel Lowe at the railing makes the catch. Oh, what a play by Lowe. Hey, Bryce, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Keep getting better, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bleacher Tweets. Already, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Monday. Amy Chapman at Amy R. Chapman writes in, How about an overreaction Monday edition? Uh, my husband is concerned that Hinch, AJ Hinch, may leave the Tigers because they are terrible and uh, he might go to a better team. Any managers on the hot seat less than a week into the season? No, it's not like, uh, you know, the year when George Steinbrenner fired Yogi Berra, I think six games into the year. <laughs> I don't think anybody's on that hot seat, but I must say, seeing the Tiger scores pop up over the weekend, the same thought occurred to me. Like, how how long will A.J. Hinch be willing to stay there? And I can't remember. I think he, yeah, my guess is he probably got a five-year contract, four or five years, and boy, they've got a long way to go. Ja Tai Joe at Ja Tai Joe 87 writes in which overreaction from the opening weekend is closer to reality? The Rays having the best pitching in baseball or the Tigers having the worst offense in baseball? Okay. Here's your best overreaction. I talked to Tim about the Rangers. Like I I'm, I'm kind of all in on the Rangers Ooh. now after being around that team. Mm-hmm. I love them and I'm not, I don't, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be a lot better for than anybody expected for a team that won 68 games last year. Those uniforms were looking fresh last night too. Mike Warden at Warden Mike writes in, is the ghost fork a splitter? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. All this whole thing, you know, we were talking the other day about, you know, the sweeper and the and you're like, come on. I, I mean, if if you get yeah. an incremental shift in movement, all of a sudden it's like this whole new pitch. I mean, can you imagine? It's funny. Well, anyway, whatever. You're going to get me on a tangent here. (laughs) Steven Shulman at Pro Bono Dude writes in, okay, let's move on from the 80s. Uh, I mean, 70s baseball. Is there a worse trend in 2023 than fans? I'm watching Seattle right now chanting the pitch clock countdown. I do love the new pace, but this chanting is worse than the wave. Ooh, that's a hot take. The wave stinks. You know what's worse? Hmm. is when uh, home fans booed the number every time someone threw to first base, when the visiting pitcher uh, you know, gave yeah. a half-hearted pickoff attempt. And so I'm fine. I'd rather have the pitch clock countdown than would the booing of a t- pl- toss to first base, which doesn't happen anymore. Andrew Campbell at Real Camp Drew writes, and hey, Buster, I know these men have a very tough job, but I, I have personally watched about a dozen games so far to start the season, and it just seems like home plate umpires have the biggest strike zones ever unilaterally, unilaterally across the league. Could this potentially be intentional, like trying to force more swings from batters and more actions to go along with the new rules? I'm going to have to watch more before I, I form an opinion on that. Um, you know, I would say that I generally, as when I saw your question, Drew, my thought was, you know what, he might be onto something. Not that, not that uh, the umpires would have this collective conversation, but the idea that early in this season, I've seen some wide strike zones. PK Steinberg writes in, it would figure in the second game of the year that a team needed to use a new rules uh, under the new rules, a position <laughs> player in the blowout, right? And that would be Josh Harrison, who I spoke to yesterday about that. Uh, this Phillies infielder, uh, Rob Thompson, told us before the game last night that he walked up to Josh and said, hey, have you pitched before? And Josh was like, yeah, I've done that before. 
And Rob <laughs> told us, I don't know if he was, you know, if that's actually the case, but when he said, yes, I, I was like, yeah, no, fine. So I asked Josh about it last night. I said, Hey, he got to pitch. And then it occurred to me, he's pitched like four other times in the big leagues. And he's got like a whole, you know, like a pitching page now because he's been pitching so much. Wow. A real resume under his belt. Last one yes. for today. Brett Davis at Treehouse writes in, Hey, Buster, I've really been enjoying Taylor's passionate rants about the Orioles. Thanks, Brett. Maybe a new segment should be added called The Revved Up. What do you guys think? Uh, Buster, I thought you should know that. Reese Davis called me a vitriolic Orioles fan last night when we did the College Game Day podcast. Okay. We didn't really <laughs> touch on the Orioles. No. Uh, with When we talked with Tim. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to give us a review of what you saw over the weekend. 27 runs. Is that right? Yeah. In yeah. three games. Uh-huh. Which the offense looks great. But, uh, you know, we knew the pitching could be a problem. We knew left field could be a problem. And uh, they didn't really do anything to address those positions. So I think, uh, you know, everything is somewhere in the middle. The offense isn't quite that good. The defense and the pitching, not quite that bad. Um, but Ryan McKenna, really, man, like dropping the ball. I mean, I don't really think he's all that great anyway. I'm kind of confused why he's still around and they're not bringing up some of the younger guys behind him. But uh, oh, well, oh, well, Buster. it's kind of I mean, you get what you pay for, right? Yep. I mean, mm -hmm. they had tons of opportunities. Yeah. You know, I heard names mentioned over the weekend. Ross Stripling would have been a perfect guy for that team. <laughs> you know, Sean Manai would have been a perfect guy for that team. Oh, by the way, not super expensive, like 10, no. 12 million dollars a year. For a team that is spending nothing, it, it's really awful. Sean Manai would have been awesome. Yeah, that's part of the reason for depth is not only uh, you know to to if someone goes down for an injury, but it's also to have uh, safety nets built in. You know, they've got mm -hmm. all these young pitchers they're trying to develop and they're promising, and you know they'll come forward and and you hope so. But you know what? It's good to have like a veteran guy, a couple of veteran guys, help stabilize the rotation. Um, yep. I, 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 <laughs> we'll save it for another I mean, day. <laughs> I, yeah. It's so interesting too. You talk to the folks with other teams. They, they say privately the same things we've been saying. Mm. We're all over it, Buster. All right. Hashtag bleacher tweets on Twitter. We will be back on what's the schedule this week. We're, we're it's early. What are we, what are we doing? I think we're going to do Wednesday, third or Wednesday, Friday. Okay. We'll be back on that Wednesday. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds great. Buster. All right. That's it for today. Uh, Taylor, special thanks to you for putting together this rundown. Why my computer? I, I think by the end of today, <laughs> I'll have a new computer. I hope anyway. Uh, and also thanks to Tim, to Sarah, to Sarah. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.